listening to the Rational Rage Network. It's one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page, only if I had one gun, one girl and one crib, one God to show me how to do things his son did, pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip, writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm gonna body, this hood politics, acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbage, seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee I do. Could it be my time is up with my luck? I got up. The cop shot again. Bus stop glass burst. A fiend drops his Heineken. Ricocheting between the spots that I'm hiding in. Blacking out as I shoot back. Fuck getting hit. This Welcome everybody to the Homeboy Podcast. You know what? Joining me today is one of the motherfuckers on the Rational Rage crew. You know what I'm saying? We got me, Homeboy 88. We got the Don Spiro. We got. Jimmy T, DJ, Mass Effects, and you know what? We got Tuttle 17, a.k.a. Tim Gilby, and we got this guy right here, all the way from the Great White North, right? Chris Sam, so welcome, Chris. How's it going, buddy? Going good, man. It's going real good. That's right. It's Chris Ams. That's A-M-B-S, like bullshit in the morning. Don't forget. That's right, and like I said, he's part of the Rational Rage crew, and you know what? I got to say this. I got to give you props, man. I, I like your voice. I like your style. You kind of like remind me of uh, Jim Lampley. You're like our Jim Lampley of the Rational Rage crew. Remember him from okay. boxing? Yeah, man. Oh, Remember for him? real, man. That's awesome. I love that. Honestly, man, because of the way you speak and everything. So, yeah, he'd be like, a, hello, boxing fans around the world. We're here to see a magnificent contest between two power punches. And then fucking Larry Merchant comes in. Jim, you say two power punchers. I say two destroyers in a sea filled with vodka. Sloshing around. Jim, Jim, <laughs> you've said that these two individuals are here to fight one another. Right? I, I think that, that it might be more about the money, Jim. But what? I know, man. He was what? always he was always drunk <laughs> off his ass, bro. You know what I'm saying? But uh, uh awesome. Yeah, man. We're gonna get into boxing a little bit later, but uh, you know what? Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself, man. You know, growing up and and stuff, Chris. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude. So I grew up. Uh, I grew up in northwestern Ontario, which is the middle of nowhere, even for Canada. Um, for the longest time there, uh, if you looked on a map of all the places of Canada where there was cell phone coverage, mm-hmm. basically my area was the only place in the country without cell phone coverage. So. Damn. It gives you a little bit about where I come from. Uh, it's about eight and a half hours north of Minneapolis, St. Paul. So it's about uh, two hours north of the U.S. border there um, on Lake of the Woods, Ontario. So um, I grew so, up here. My dad my dad and my grandpa were both lumberjacks. So, you know, classic Canadian upbringing. Oh, that's awesome, man. So let me, let me get this straight. So if you're a fucking Adnan Syed... And there's no cell phone towers. That motherfucker might be walking free. You know what I'm saying? There's no serial podcast about him. <laughs> but anyways, that's neither here nor there. 
So uh, yeah, you say you um, you live right now in the Lake of the Woods, Ontario, right? That's right. Yep. So check this out. So I'm going to do an interview with you and uh, give you a little bit of shine, which you don't need. Like I said, man, you're like Jim Lampley. You're like fucking uh, uh, Anik, uh, John Anik from the UFC to me. But <laughs> I was looking at these videos, man, and I'm, I got to ask you a question, bro. Do you like water, bro? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, I, I grew up, I think I could probably swim about the same time I could walk growing up. And, uh-huh. um, basically everything that you do growing up in Northwestern Ontario, either yeah. surrounds the water drinking or fighting. Those are basically the only things that anybody up here ever does. So I, I got two of them. I never did get into the alcohol, but, uh, I grew up boxing <laughs> and, uh, grew, grew up loving the water. So yep, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want a good time, go on YouTube and type in Lake of the Woods, right? And I, I saw a video last night, and this guy, he was, it was like a 45-minute video, and uh, he was showing the Lake of the Woods. It's all water and, like, little islands everywhere, man. You have to get around yeah, the dude, boat, check right? This out. Yeah, dude, check this out. So, like, the lake is the, it's, like... It's a bit of a mouthful to say this, and everybody always laughs when I do it, but it's the 13th biggest freshwater inland lake in the world, and um, so it's a really, really big lake. You can see it on the map. Just look it up. Like I said, it's in in northern Minnesota, Um, but we have 14,000 islands uh, on the lake, and so... It's just like if you're if you're like me and you're the kind of person who just wants to go get lost on the lake for a day or whatever. Like yeah. I grew up doing a lot of camping and stuff because you can just go you can go out, you can, you know, fix your tent or put up a lean to or whatever on any one of these islands. Uh-huh. And most of them, it's like you're the first person to ever sit there. You know what I mean? It's 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 awesome. It's a trip. Oh, OK. Because uh, on the video, I saw a bunch of like houses on some of the uh, islands. Right beautiful beautiful oh, yeah homes. yeah like rich people definitely buy yeah. islands i know we've got like mm-hmm. uh goldie hahn and kurt russell have property up here and there's some other famous people yeah do you have a boat chris for sure right oh yeah we got a couple of them yeah yeah i mean if if you don't have a boat you're fucked man if you're in the lake of the woods ontario right <laughs> i mean so i mean i don't know what the hell you would do here without something with the water so um, let me get this straight. So there's the islands and everything. So and that lo- it looked pretty big to me. But they're also talking about the railway system. I mean, how does that work? Like, does it go around? I don't even know. It's so big, the lake. Yeah, it goes around the north. Um, mm-hmm. A funny story, actually, in Canadian history class, probably the only time I ever paid attention in Canadian history. I love world history, but Canadian history is the most boring fucking class of all time. But <laughs> the one thing that I do remember from Canadian history class growing yeah. up was that uh, they were they were sharing quotes from like when the railroad was built. Right. Mm-hmm. And the guy who the guy who was in charge of building the railroad said that even worse than the Rocky mountains was getting through Northwestern Ontario, which he referred to as, and I quote a treacherous bog. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I mean, look, no, it's beautiful. From what I saw, it looks fucking beautiful. All these little islands. Like I said, the rich people have their homes on there, but I was like, how do you go to fucking target, bro? How do you go to Walmart? What the, what the fuck? Where's everything? (laughs) Well, we actually, I don't know if you guys have Safeway down in Cali, but, yeah, we Safeway do. is like the all right. So so 
we have the only Safeway in the world that actually has a, a on water parking lot. In other words, there's a there's a dock <laughs> to park your boats. Pop, pop, bro. You made me pop on that. So let me get this straight. You get your boat, you fucking motor in, you fucking get on, you go get some uh, some biscuits and shit. Ah, damn, bro. And then you get on your boat and you go back. Don't tell me you buy yep. water. You buy fucking Aquafina water. You have water all around you. Just fucking get your Berkey water filtration and boil it. Oh, dude, you don't even have to in a lot of places on the yeah. lake. So if you're if you're closer to like the, the main town on the lake is uh, Kenora, mm-hmm. and that's got a pretty big population. I wouldn't drink the water too close to there. But where I'm at in um, Nestor Falls, which is spring fed. Yeah, you can actually just dip a cup in the in the lake and drink it. It's totally Are you kidding good. me. Are you kidding? No, me? man. No, I do it all the time. Well, what if you have one of those pens that filters out all the um, contaminants? Is that even better? I mean, I'm sure, you know, if you, if you're paranoid about it or whatever, but I think a little bit of, uh, I think a little bit of fresh water is good for you. A little bit of amoeba <laughs> is good for your fucking stomach, bro. You know what I'm saying? What That's right. Kill you makes you stronger. So yeah, <laughs> man. So, um, yeah. So, um, you do a show on the rational rage and it's called the pro wrestling coalition with uh, your partner, Jimmy T AKA DJ mass effects. And, um, and it's about wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But I've heard you say that you stopped watching wrestling, kind of like me around the same time. It's weird. Uh, talk a little bit. Yeah. I th- well, I think a lot of people actually stopped watching wrestling the same time you and me did. I think that, um, you know, obviously, like, the Monday Night Wars were great. And I think that even, yep. you know, the immediate aftermath of the Monday Night Wars as WCW is starting to uh, peter out or whatever still still allowed people to sort of hang on to their, to their fandom. And I think that the booking at the time was still pretty solid in the WWE. Mm-hmm. I mean, WCW went to shit. It just went crazy yeah, at the end there, but shit, the finger, poke but I think shit. that the finger poke of death or doom, whatever the fuck, get the fuck <laughs> out of here. Hey, you know what? Hulk Hogan, go fuck <laughs> yourself for that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Damn it. Uh, just the worst, the absolute oh. worst. But um, anyway, I think basically what happened was I think a lot of us were paying attention, wanted to see how the invasion angle would work, how, you know, how things would work once Vince bought everything. Yeah. And I think that they dropped the ball so badly that if you look at the numbers, they went from, you know, almost, you know, sometimes upwards of like 12, 14 million people watching every Monday. It went, it, it almost like cut in half within a year. And uh-huh. I mean, that and that was a big portion of us you know that's that's what happens when you just put out absolute crap content people don't want to watch well i have a question for you so vince mcmahon he bought out wcw right and he also Mm -hmm. did he buy out ecw or they just went bankrupt i i I can't i like it's hard to know exactly what happened but basically they wound up with ecw as a property so i'm not sure if they bought that from the bank or if they bought that from paul Heyman, but they definitely wound up with it and vince mcmahon uh i'm gonna tell you my little phrase go fuck yourself you ruined both wcw (laughs) invasion and the ecw invasion they blew them both in my 100 god man and you know what I was talking to Jimmy about uh, when Taz went in there, and they just squashed that guy, man. He was such a a beast in ECW, and for him to come in and be like a jobbed out by Triple H, come on, man. 
I was just like, I'm not watching I'm, anymore. It, it was really bad. Like, yeah. I don't know if you were watching. I was actually watching live when he came in. Um, I think it was the Royal Rumble at yeah. uh, uh, at Madison Square Garden. Versus I mean, Kareem. that pop, yeah. that pop when the 13 came on the screen mm-hmm. was just like deafening, dude. And I mean, you get goosebumps watching that back here and how loud that crowd was. He comes out, he beats Kurt Angle. It's Kurt's first loss. And it seems like, okay, they're going to really push this guy. And they just absolutely did nothing with him after that. Yeah, Triple H was like beating him here, beating him there. I was just like, you know what? I don't want to watch anymore. Taz was such a badass in ECW. Man, I used to uh, gather around with my um, brother-in-laws and my brothers. And we'd uh, order the ECW pay-per-views. And remember the one where uh, he would face Bam Bam Bigelow and at the end, he choked him out with barbed wire. Do you remember that one? And they cut away. That was so yeah, I remember. shit. Like, God damn, it's too violent. Even for ECW, they cut away. <laughs> he yeah. Got him in the, he got him in the Katsuhajime with the barbed wire, man. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Then, you know, it's bad when even ECW is like, ah, maybe we shouldn't show this guy. <laughs> it was probably a work, right? Just they did that on purpose. Oh, for sure. But yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So how'd you get into wrestling, man? Uh, Well, like being a Canadian kid, it's more of a traditional thing up here. Mm -hmm. Um, Lots of people get into wrestling for one reason or another. Uh, Specifically, like a big portion of my family comes from out west. Mm -hmm. Um, The Stampede type area, like not not Calgary and Edmonton, but uh, uh, Saskatoon specifically. Um, my, My auntie actually watched Bret Hart's first ever wrestling match live. So really? Yep. Was it versus dynamite kid or somebody else? I, I honestly, I can't remember, but I I just remember when she told me that I was so blown away. I was like, I was like, what? That's the coolest thing ever. Cause obviously like when you grow up as a Canadian kid, who's cooler than Bret Hart. Right. So you're saying live, she watched it live or on yeah she was there in the arena wow damn okay cool and you know what he he bulked off for the wwf uh when he was in stampede he was he wasn't that big right i've seen a bunch of no dude he was always if you look at the if he was always skilled but he was yeah absolutely he was always a good professional wrestler, but he definitely did not have the size until he got yeah. like a little older. I mm-hmm. think he started to bulk up a little bit when he like when he first got to the WWE. Because even like if you look back at some of the some of the matches, some of the early matches with the the Hard Foundation, he almost looks like he's like overweight a little bit in some of those in some of those early matches because yeah, he, he was bulking up, yeah. up like crazy. Quick question: uh, Do you know why he wore the sunglasses? Not a clue, just to look cool, I'm guessing. Uh, no, he was nervous cutting promos on WWF, so he wore the sunglasses to hide his nervousness. That's what oh, said. that's awesome. Yeah, that's a little tidbit for you, bro, from Homeboy88. Anyway, so yeah, so you got into, keep going, man. You got into pro wrestling early at about what age and what year? Oh man, I I don't even remember how old I was. Like that's how that's how long I've been I was watching professional wrestling as a fan. Mm-hmm. I um I basically watched it when I was a kid. My mom never wanted me to watch it, so my mom would always be like, "You you don't watch that wrestling stuff, Chris." And then I'd be like, "Okay, mom." And then as soon as she'd go, I'd turn on the Ultimate Warrior or whatever. Oh, and then yeah. I'd be running around the house. Why yeah. didn't you want uh, uh, Why didn't you want you uh, watching professional wrestling? It was violent. Well, 
so well like both of my grand both of my grandparents or both of my grandfathers like on my mom's side and my dad's side they boxed my dad was a pretty good little scrapper when he was a kid too he never really got into boxing because where we live there wasn't really anything for him and he grew up up in the bush camps um but all the men in my family have had like um just sort of like I, I like I, I when I say violent tendencies, I think that people get a bad you know a bad visual. I don't mean that people in my family are are violent. I just mean that most most of the men in my family like to punch things. They're tough. They're tough. <laughs> no, I had an uncle. Yeah. I had an uncle who boxed, and uh, one of my favorite photographs when I'd go to my grandma's house is him after a fight with the gloves around his neck. Right, they're tied together. And he's tired yeah. as shit, and he they're uh, lifting his hand in the air because he won. And he was a big mm. Mexican guy, and he was like six feet, and he was like light heavyweight. Fuck, wow. I would go there every so a giant time. I for would, your people, I would yeah, and I would look <laughs> at it, and I would go, oh man, my uncle's such a fucking badass, you know what I'm saying? But I only grew up to be five nine, so maybe I said, nah, <laughs> fuck that shit. <laughs> That's still pretty tall for a lot of Mexicans, bro, depending <laughs> on what part of the country. No, well, um, <laughs> the reason the Mexicans are so small is because of bad nutrition in Mexico. They're malnutritioned because uh, of the food. So, yeah, yeah, like my dad and my uncles, they're like five foot three, five foot four. You know, a lot of my uncles. But then we came, uh-huh. uh, they came over here and we ate like a fucking horse and we're like uh, five eleven, five nine, shit. My brother-in-law is six yeah, foot no, three. I, I hear you, man. What's one of the things I love so much about visiting Mexico? We go pretty much like every year. Um, lately, we've been going to the Yucatan and to um, Merida. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, man, one of the best things about being in a place like that, especially the Yucatan, where everybody still has a little bit of that Mayan blood. Yeah. Um, you walk around and like, I'm only six one, so I'm like a little bit above average. But when I'm in Mexico, I'm the fucking giant, bro. I like people are looking at me like I'm goddamn Hulk Hogan walking through the fucking mall. It's awesome. Yeah. Well, if they're like five foot three, man, five foot four, they're looking at you like, goddamn, that looks like fucking Santos or Mil Mascara. <laughs> Rayo de Jalisco, bro. So yeah, so you're talking about um, Ultimate Warrior. So yeah, around that time, I was watching wrestling too. And um, I think uh, I was born in 75. Uh, What year were you born, uh, Chris? 85. What the fuck? (laughs) Wait a minute. Ultimate Warrior was like 87, 88, 89, wasn't he? That's that's what I'm saying about how young I was, dude. I don't even remember when I started watching wrestling. Uh, um, it was that was my Saturday morning cartoons, basically, as a kid. And you remember? You have a good memory then? Oh yeah, because oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I have I have vivid memories of watching stuff on TV and just being like, "Oh, this is so cool!" And then my mom just being like, "This is so bad. Turn it off, Christopher." And I just be like, "Yeah, okay, mom." Mm-hmm. And then she'd leave, and I just turn it back on again. So did you go back and watch the '80s? From the uh, WWF uh, network. I mean, w- listen, man, I'm 75. I'm going to call it WWF. You know what? WWE, go fuck yourself. I still do the same thing sometimes, man. I yeah. catch myself all the time trying to say WWF. It, it just rolls off the tongue better than WWE. I, I always thought that, like, saying that you were the World Wrestling Federation champion, I don't, yeah. something about that, that hard F and that federation at the end makes it yeah. sound tougher than... I'm the world wrestling entertainment champion. It just, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds even, like. 
What the I fuck are you talking about? I can't even imagine the Iron Sheik doing WWE. I, I know he would go, the WWF champion, <laughs> you know? Yeah. From and Tehran, Iran, this is the Iron Sheik, uh, the Machia Arena, a Madison Square Garden. <laughs> classic stuff man yeah no i like i've gone back and i've watched some of the old classics and stuff obviously like you know watching warrior go over hogan and in toronto and stuff like that but most of the stuff that i've gone back to watch really is uh i've gone back and i've watched a lot of stuff from the 90s um and i don't i actually don't even have the network so i'm talking about really you know watching it on in tortuga (laughs) okay so in the 90s obviously you're still a little young because you're born in 85, but um, damn, when ECW rolls around, were you watching? Yes or no? Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, so I would record it because obviously like I was, I was still going to school, so I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stay up until two o'clock in the morning. You right. know, my mom really would have killed me then. So, yeah, exactly. uh, but I would record it and stuff and then I would watch it the next day. What was your uh, favorite promotion uh, growing up? WWF? Uh, so it changed over time. So when I was first growing up, all we really had up here was WWF. Mm-hmm. And then when we got WCW, I got to tell you, man, like when I was, so I'm, I'm six one, I'm like two thirty, right? So I'm a pretty big guy. But, uh, when I was growing up, I was the shortest, skinniest kid in class. And, you know, I had a little bit of an anger issue and stuff like that. Right. Oh, and my name's Christopher. So, so I would watch WCW and all of a sudden there's these two Canadian guys who are little dudes who, you know, one of them has a serious anger issue. And I'm just like, oh man, I fucking love WCW. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm a Chris Benoit fan. Um, little so dude, I, that I, fucker was Jack, bro. I know. Yeah. Wise, <laughs> God damn the Wolverine. <laughs> Fucking guy is just solid like a truck, solid, but um, man. but yeah, I so I loved WCW for a, for a really long time. I definitely was a WCW guy throughout the Monday Night Wars. Um, I never I never really liked Steve Austin to be honest. Growing up, like you know, now that I'm older, cool. I can definitely appreciate what he did and everything, and I understand his popularity and why. But to me, he was always the guy who was being a dickhead to Bret Hart, so I I couldn't like him when I was a kid. Well, here's the thing, uh, and you're born in 85. Steve Austin in the NWA slash WCW was a good fucking worker, Chris. If you watch his matches, he actually was a hand, man. He knew how to wrestle. Oh, he was excellent. Before what happened with Owen and his neck breaking, he was was technical. He was like a technical genius, to be honest with you. He was one of those, he was one of the top guys when he was, when he was doing that. I, I, It'd be interesting yeah. to see if his career could have progressed that way without the injury, though, because I think that his style of punch, punch, kick, kick, punch, punch, kick, kick, stunner Stumped almost him helped him when he got older, you know? Mm-hmm. No, man. Yeah, that was bad when he, uh, when he broke his neck, right? But, I mean, like you said, the match was with Bret Hart, legendary, legendary. And uh, that, is that Absolutely. your favorite match, uh, WrestleMania 13? The, the double It turn? is, without a doubt, my favorite wrestling match and mm-hmm. i you know like you know we we had a conversation uh about like the storytelling in it right and i said it's the best storytelling in ring i've ever yeah. seen in my life and i would dare anyone to tell me that they've seen a better in ring story being told than that match i got um, one for you hulk hogan versus okay, the brooklyn it. brawler bro no i'm just kidding bro 
Anyways. The fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> that was crazy. No, no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, so I heard from around the way from a little birdie that landed on the Lake of the Woods, Ontario, um, one of the islands. He told me you, you knew five languages. Is that true? <laughs> no. No, I don't no. know five languages. How many languages? No, I know... I know two languages and I'm sort of studying a little bit to try to learn a couple other ones. So obviously I speak English. Uh-huh. Um, I can speak Spanish pretty okay because I lived in LA for a couple of years. Um, and I'm studying German and French to try to sort of hmm. get a handle on them a little bit, but so far that's slow. Hey, little birdie. I got a BB gun aimed at, you know, fucking hell. <laughs> okay. You gave me bad information, little birdie. Son of a bitch. But anyways, I was going to ask you something in Spanish. Yeah. You ready? ¿Cómo puedes tolerar a tu pareja, Jimmy? <laughs> is Jimmy your little birdie, by the way? Is that is that what I'm getting here? No, he's not the little birdie. ¿Cómo puedes tolerar a tu pareja, Jimmy? Which means, how can you tolerate Jimmy? <laughs> your partner, Jimmy. I mean... This fucking with Jimmy you. is great. Jimmy, no, he like, is. Jimmy he is. is a legitimately like good dude. Like in the sense of like, you know, you talk to him and he's he's legitimately the kind of person who would help you in real life if you needed mm-hmm. help. You know what I mean? Um he's busy, like sometimes it gets frustrating. Like, you know, if uh uh man, like he <laughs> he gets us in trouble a little bit no. in terms of the show, and I wish he wouldn't, but at the same time. You know, if I'm in his shoes, I'm definitely going to defend myself when people are call work are calling me names and stuff like that. So, you know, no, Jimmy, I, would, I love you. No, I was just uh, asking something in Spanish. But this is your interview. Let's uh, get off of Jimmy. You know what I'm saying? But actually, that leads into a question I want to ask you. So, how'd you get into podcasting, Chris? <laughs> so. Uh, it's a funny story. It is a very brief story, but it's also a funny story. Basically, um, I was just doing my thing one day, which is, uh, you know, talking to people online and stuff and having mm-hmm. discussions on Facebook groups and that kind of thing. And uh, basically, I got a message from Jimmy, uh, Jimmy T, because I can never remember how to pronounce his last name. But Jimmy T sent me a, a message and we weren't even friends on Facebook at the time. We had just talked on, on you know, on different Facebook groups or whatever. He Mm -hmm. said, Hey man, have you ever thought of doing a podcast? (laughs) I was just like, why are you asking? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he just invited me to do a show with him and we recorded one and he said he was happy with it. And that's pretty much how it happened, bro. This is like him not hearing your voice. This is all online. Yeah. This is just from him. Basic. So the thing is, is like, I'm, I think you can sort of tell from listening that I'm the kind of person who like my brain works pretty all right. Yes. Um, I, I'm not going to say I'm smart cause I don't really know what that means, but my brain works okay. And so a lot of times like we would be having, mm-hmm. yeah, we would be having conversations and stuff like this online or, you know, sometimes we talk wrestling or sometimes people would bring up politics or, you know, whatever. Um, and I think he just sort of liked the way that I formed ideas in my head and he figured, Hey, if this guy can, if this guy can do this in audio form, it'd be good. So that's pretty much where we went. Well, to be honest with you, that's how I got into it because, uh, I would, uh, email the new force order, funny little things and make them pop. 
And then Spiro just said, you know what? You need to do your own show. And then he reached out to me. Absolutely, and he, bro. And he reached out to me and he uh, he was like, you got to do this, this, and this. Man, I didn't have a mic. I didn't have, I didn't know anything. Uh, Kayfabe, uh, before we got on here, I didn't know how to fucking invite this guy on the Zoom meeting, to be honest with you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, you learn. You want to, if you want to be good at something, you do it over and over and over and you learn. So uh, that me, uh, brings me to my next question for you. Do you like it? Do you like podcasting? Oh, yeah, dude. I think it's great. Um, so I'm like, I'm the kind of person who I love, I love storytelling. Um, one of the things that I do, like, I, I, I have like a daytime job where I work, you know, and I, I, I'm in business with my old man and we do heavy duty construction. So I run equipment a lot, but the other thing that I really love to do is, um, write, I, you know, I write stories and I love I love the ability of storytelling that you get through podcasting, because even though like largely what we do is we um, sort of recap what already happened, we're Mm -hmm. able to sort of tell a story in the way that we recap. And so, you know, I just have fun with it. I think it's great. Yeah, man, I think you're great at it. And uh, this is my honest opinion. I think that um, if you learn uh, the program that I'm going to help you all uh, learning audacity, I think you should do a solo show. Pick a subject and do it, and I think you'd be great at it, man. Honestly, whether it be boxing yeah. or I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what fucking lumberjacking, fucking uh, <laughs> swimming, <laughs> whatever well, right, it is. Right now, actually, right now, actually, there's a there, I'm 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 in a planning stage right now where, um, you know, th- this is sort of my process when I get into creative stuff. So when I tell stories, it's the same way. I like to sort of uh, create a world first and then start telling a story. Um, But anyway, I've been sort of uh, fiddling around with the idea of doing a, a, um, a more political podcast, but not, not politics in like an overt sense, but more of just, you know, I want to cover political discourse and I want to do it from the centrist. Well, I want to do it from the, from the perspective of a centrist, which is what I consider myself. I, you know, I don't really consider myself to be on one side or the other. Mm -hmm. I I like to stay in the middle so I can laugh at both of them when they're being stupid. So your your common sense, right? hundred (laughs) percent. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's what I am too. Cause, um, and I listen to uh, both uh, sides. Like I'll I'll listen to uh, Ben Shapiro. You ever heard of that motherfucker? Yep. I've heard of that. He talks like the micro machine guy. You know what I'm saying? Super fast. He sounds like he's on fast forward, but he's interesting. Yeah. He knows how to speak. And, uh, you know, I listen to that guy. And uh, on the other side, I listen to NPR, see what they're doing. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, you know, like living in L.A., I think that you definitely develop a certain sense of of. I think that people who grow up in L.A., um, if they have their eyes open and if they're looking at actually what's going on, uh, you develop a sense of centrism because, you know, on the one hand, you kind of see the problems. And then on the other hand, you see like the solutions aren't so easy. Right. So like so like when I was living in L.A., um, Mm -hmm. you know you'd talk to people who were, you know, rich white people and they would always do the, ah, the Mexicans are coming across our border and blah, blah, blah. Right. Jesus. Like when I was, so when I was living there, like my argument back to them was like, look, I get it. Right. I get that you want to be able to control the flow of who's coming in and out of the country, but imagine yourself growing up on one side of an imaginary line. 
Uh-huh. And on the side where you grew up, um, you can barely afford to feed your family. And you're always going to be able to barely afford to feed your family. And you know, if you stay on that side of the line, your sons and your grandsons and their sons are all going to be able to barely afford to feed their family because that's the system. But on the other side, if you just cross that imaginary line, your kid could become president if you work hard. Yes. Wouldn't you cross the border? Because I'd be on the other side of that motherfucker in a second. So, you know, that's what I mean about like, you know, I think that being in LA, you sort of, you either get completely radicalized to one side or the other, or you recognize that A, there are problems, but B, the solutions are not fucking easy. And let me tell you something, Chris. Um, You know, I'm not just a bumbling idiot that uh, speaks in comedic form all the time. (laughs) I have two brain cells sometimes. So I'm going to say this, that, you know what, what you're saying is 100% correct. And the fucking hypocrisy, okay, for these people to say that, guess who hires them to take care of their kids in their house? Yep. Guess who hires them to to uh, work in their fields or work in their factories yep. or their restaurants, okay? Um, it's hypocrisy, man. They come over here, uh, they work hard, as you say. And they get hired by the very people that don't want them here. It's it's weird. It's so weird, man. But, you know. It is. It's a, it's a really strange, strange dichotomy where people in L.A., you know, wealthy people. We'll just say yeah. wealthy people because I don't think it's necessarily a race thing. Because I think that there are wealthy. I think that there are lots of wealthy Hispanics in L.A. who have the same kind of opinion about people coming across the border and then take advantage of them when they do get there. Um, I hate that, man. I hate that. Listen, everybody. <laughs> um uh you know borders and shit that's all fucking made up anyways okay so you mean to tell me there's a border between the united states and mexico i get it you don't want people coming over as you say taking your job or whatever but you are you really gonna go work in the fucking field 100 degree weather i doubt it i doubt it that you want to go ask for a job for that okay or work in a factory if you if you uh were gonna do it you would already done it you don't do it and yeah, 100%. That's where I say hypocrisy yeah. too. It's a lot of hypocrisy. Yeah. No, it absolutely is hypocritical. Like <laughs> and like I said there's that dichotomy of like, you know, we want to be able to have all these nice things and we want to have somebody to pick the fruit so that we have fresh fruit and we want somebody to clean the pools and we want somebody to mow the lawn and we want somebody to, you know, watch our kids for us cuz we're too busy getting coked out to watch our kids. You know, so we're going to pay these people the absolute minimum amount that we possibly can because, you know, we know we can take advantage of them. But also, you know, when polite society comes asking, we're going to say, fuck these people. And that's bullshit. Like, yeah, I want to punch him in the face. Complete hypocrisy. I want to punch him in the face. (laughs) And speaking of punching him in the face, you said you're a boxer and you love boxing. So, um, you know, We've been talking back and forth about boxing, and uh, I think the 90s were like a fantastic time for boxing, even the 80s and even before. But now, what do you think about boxing, the state of boxing? Is it still great? Can you sell me on that, Chris? Because I don't don't see it. I just don't. I don't think that I can. Honestly, I don't think that I can sell you on boxing still being great. Um, I think that things started to get watered down when more and more – 
sanctioning bodies became a thing and became not just a thing because you can always just ignore a sanctioning body, but it became the way that we sell things in boxing. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so are going to fight for the IBF middleweight championship, you know, which is, you know, it sounds important, but when you get down to it, there's, you know, there's at least five different sanctioning bodies that are considered to be quote unquote major sanctioning bodies. So what you wind up with in a lot of cases is you have five different people who all say I'm the heavyweight champion of the world. And they have some piece of legitimacy to say that, no, really look, I have this belt. And I think it confuses people. You know, if five teams won the Super Bowl every year, it would be pretty fucking difficult for people to follow. You know what I mean? Right. Of course. Yeah. So what about uh, mixed martial arts UFC? Do you think that's uh, better than boxing in your opinion now? Or Ooh. I think it's cleaner than boxing. I think it's significantly easier to follow. And I think that in terms of legacy right now for mixed martial arts is significantly better than right now for boxing. Um, you know, you, there's no question of who the baddest motherfucker on the planet is in mm-hmm. mixed martial arts, right? You know, at the each H- weight H- class, H- there's a guy there who's the champ, mm-hmm. and they're the champ, and that's it. And it doesn't matter who's in what other promotion, and you know, like there can be there can be Strike Force and Bellator and all this other stuff, but nobody really thinks that those guys are the best in the world. The best in the world is the guy who's the UFC champ, and that's just not the case in boxing. You know, like Let I said, there's five you, and, different and, and, people. And in UFC, they uh, Dana White doesn't give a shit. You're not going to get an easy fight. It's the best versus the best at their prime all the time. Coming up is yeah, uh, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier, the rematch. And let me tell you something. Conor McGregor, yeah, did KO Dustin Poirier when he was a lot younger. Dustin Poirier is a, a better fighter now. He's a great fucking boxer. I don't know, man. Conor, I just don't know if he can handle Dustin's boxing, though. It's going to be a great fight, though, both strikers. So I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be a really good fight. And I think that anybody who thinks that it's going to go exactly the same way as the first fight hasn't been paying attention to Dustin over the last couple of years because he's improved not just in his striking, but he's improved in his overall mental game as well. And I think that a big thing that that hampered him against Connor in the first fight was that he he more than wanting to win, he wanted to hit connor like he was mad you know what i mean he sort of came in to that fight in the same kind of attitude that like a fernando vargas did coming up against oscar de la hoya was (laughs) more than winning he wanted to hurt the guy which oftentimes means that you're not thinking properly and you need to be thinking properly to win in combat sports right yeah exactly um oh okay so i'm gonna play something for you we're gonna switch the subject a little bit and uh you tell me what you feel when I play this. You ready? Ready. Oh, Listo. Oh, crap. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, let's see. Oh, shoot. Coming in. What? at 210 pounds it might have been bigger i don't fucking know from calgary Alberta, canada here he is the best there is the best there was and the best there ever will be right the hit man hard oh shit my voice <laughs> <laughs> fucking
fucking it sounded like Peter Brady at the end right there. Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> Son of a bitch. But yeah, um, let's get into it, bro. And here's the question right now. Brett the Hitman Hart versus Nature Boy Rick <laughs> Okay. Here's my let me go first, just real quick, because you might win. You're a better speaker than me, but 16-time world heavyweight champion, eight NWA, six WCW, two WWF championships. Okay. He wrestled all around the world, just like Bret Hart, probably. He defended his title in Japan and all across the nation when he was the NWA champion. Uh, he used to he he would have to shoot if people actually uh, wanted to take his title away in the NWA. Did you know that, Chris? You would ask, I did know that about Ric Flair. Yeah, yeah. So he's a little bit of a badass, Ric Flair. So um, versus as he proclaimed himself, God. Damn it, why do you say the best there is? The best there was, the best there ever will be. Because now when you say that, it's like it's stuck in your head. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what's your argument on why Bret Hart is better than Rick, Nature Boy Ric Flair? Go okay, it. so uh, there's a number of things that I think that you need to sort of you know have as caveats when you're having this conversation. First of all, if we're just talking about business, if we're just talking about who drew the most money, yeah. um, Ric Flair hands down made more money than Bret Hart. Um, okay, but I don't. Championships? I, if you talk about championships again, you know Nature Boy, you know he he won. 700 world championships or whatever um <laughs> 16 times 16 but time. that al- but that also but that also means he lost it 17 times so oh, we'll just put that out there um but i don't think so like growing up in canada again like wrestling is considered somewhat of a traditional thing right so mm-hmm. um we, i think that most canadians actually see wrestling as different than americans do and i think that for american fans it's considered more about the business and i think that for canadian fans it's considered more about the technical aspect and ability okay. so for me, um, watching Ric Flair, and I do recognize that he was great and that he did some incredible things and that he deserves a lot of credit. I think that he's absolutely in the conversation as mm-hmm. one of the top, you know, 10, maybe one of the top five wrestlers who ever lived um, just based on his legacy and what he was able to do in terms of business. But for me, the real greatness of wrestling comes down to your ability to work and your ability to tell a story. And uh, again, you know, I've said that I don't think that anyone ever told a better story than Bret Hart and Stone Cold in the ring. That was awesome. Than that match at WrestleMania 13. But uh, Bret was also Bret also had a mind for the business where he was able to come up with um, different and interesting finishes. You know that uh, that pinning combination against uh, with with Bulldog going over him in Wembley. That was Bret's idea. That whole match was Bret's idea. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at, you know, some of the different ways he was able to win against Yokozuna, who was obviously a bigger guy who he wasn't going to be able to just get to tap with the sharpshooter, you know, the the things that he was able to do were creative and interesting and fresh. And I think that, you know, of all the things that you could say about Ric Flair, I don't think that interesting or fresh matches really come to mind. I I really honestly believe this. And it's not that I, I don't mean this as a disrespectful thing, but I think that once you saw two Ric Flair matches, you saw all of Ric Flair's matches. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me when they whipped him to the corner and he flipped over and he ran across the turnbuckle (laughs) and they clotheslined him, you saw that more than once? 
Son of a bitch. Yeah. Or saw it a running. couple of times. And when he goes up to the top, you know, all those yeah. times that he went up to the top rope and was yeah. successful. Yeah. Or he gets a body slam from the top. He never gets the jump off. God damn it. Yeah. No, I'm going to agree with you. Look, hands down, Bret Hart was a better wrestler. A hundred times over than Ric Flair, obviously. But, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, he's he's a better worker for sure. Um, yeah. And you know what? I can't even, I can't deny Bret Hart. I can't deny he's awesome. Okay. Best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. I don't know, Bret Hart. That's a pretty fucking uh, big statement to make. <laughs> tell me, so, so tell me somebody then in professional wrestling who has had more varied finishes. Best there, best there is, best there was. Best more interesting you know, story and yeah. a, more, a more believable rise than Bret Hart, who went from basically a jobber, right? When he came into the WWE, basically he was enhancement. Then he got into a tag team. You know, he was in a tag team for a number of years where he was able to grow and become a better worker. He was a mainstay in the Intercontinental Championship for a while. And eventually, when he became a world champion, it felt believable because you watched this kid go from, you know, being a kid to now he can actually win world titles. And I think that that's something that is, is deeply missing from a lot of pro wrestling nowadays where people come in and within six months, they're a world champion. And it's like, I get it. And I understand people wanting to pull the trigger, but it also, it hot shots the story and then you, it's hard to go back and retell. Will you give credit to Vince McMahon for a lot of the things? Because I'm going to say this, Chris, when he went over to WCW, okay. On the on the flip side over there, what was it, Eric Bischoff? He fucked over Bret Hart, I think. And if you don't have a good I, promoter and a good mind behind you, you're not going to do shit. You're just not going to do shit. I, I 100% agree, and I think that mm-hmm. um, the way that a person is booked um, can really make a huge difference in how big a star they seem. Yes. Um, I never really watched the Japanese wrestling, but I can tell you that even just as somebody who wasn't watching, but was just keeping my ear to mm-hmm. the ground, uh, Kenny Omega seemed like a significantly bigger deal three years ago than he does now. Okay. Um, and it's not because it's not because he can't wrestle anymore. It's not because he lost a step. It's because he isn't being booked the same way. And uh, so, yeah, I think that Vince McMahon deserves a lot of credit. And I think that, um, my own personal belief too is that I think that Bret Hart's heel run was one of the best heel runs I've ever seen in wrestling. Mm -hmm. And I think that Vince Russo probably deserves quite a bit of credit for that too. Awesome, man. So, you know what, Chris, this has been great, man. Great interview with you. And, uh, on the homeboy 88 podcast, we're going to put it up on the rational rage as well. And, um, you know what, check them out on the pro wrestling coalition. Uh, well, you know what, Chris, take it away, man. Where can they find you? Yeah, you can hear us on the Rational Rage Network. Uh, we're the PWC, the Pro Wrestling Coalition. Um, I do a number of shows. Uh, <laughs> we do interviews with different uh, different uh, people around the wrestling world. Um, we do a Wednesday night uh, skirmish, uh, which is basically where we cover AEW. Uh, we call it the skirmish because there's just not enough people to call it a war, like the Monday Night War. So that's mm-hmm. the, that's the reason for that name. Um, I also do Impacted with Tim, uh, which is where we obviously cover WWE. Just kidding. It's Impact. Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, yeah, man, we're just everybody over on the Rational Rage is working super hard. We've got crypto casts coming out, and we've got the the main show, the Rational Rage with Spiro. Right. Um, you know, everybody over there is working really hard. So give us a listen, give us a subscribe. You know, uh, give us a thumbs up. So you do two wrestling uh, podcasts. We do. So you, <laughs> I do at least two wrestling podcasts. Sometimes we'll cover raw or SmackDown. Oh yeah. 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 Um, you ready? I know for that a... doesn't sound good. We should you ready be, for another we should one? be more consistent with, with it. homeboy 88. We should be more consistent, but <laughs> dude, honestly, you want to, you, you figure out what to cover. I'd be happy to do a show with you. NWA um, shockwave. That's the only one I watch because it's on YouTube. It's fucking easy. And I'm eating dinner. Right. And I press play, and there and it's it a is good every, show. every Tuesday. I like, uh, before we leave, ladies and gentlemen, the champion, um, what's his name? God damn it, Joe Blank. Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis, son of a bitch. Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis, man, he's a classy, he kind of like uh, reminds me of Ric Flair back in the day. He's a good champion. He's a great champion. Definitely. Believable, too. Yep. And he, the way he carries himself, he dresses up, right? And he uh, does, uh, he cuts a good promo, I think. And uh, uh, you know what? The show, uh, it is what it is. It's kind of a little corny, a little bit, but <laughs> they have a good champion, and they have a couple good wrestlers. I actually liked, um, yep, absolutely, some wrestlers, but they went to AEW, and I was a little bit bummed out, but that was because of the coronavirus. But anyways. Yep. Maybe we'll do it. Maybe we won't. I don't know. Because <laughs> I don't like wrestling. <laughs> I don't like wrestling anymore. It's all about the UFC. But anyways, thank you, Chris. It's hard to it's hard to like. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. And uh hopefully uh people got to know you a little bit after this interview. And uh thanks for coming on, brother, on the Homeboy 88 podcast, man. Thank you. Glad okay see. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. We out. And uh, have a great Christmas and, uh, you know, just peace. Listen up, you can be anything in the world And God we trust, an architect, doctor Maybe an actress, but nothing comes easy It takes much practice Like, I met a woman who's becoming a star She was very beautiful, leaving people in awe Singing songs, Lena Horn, but the younger version Hung with the wrong person, got a stronger than her When cocaine, sniffing up drugs, all in the nose Could've died so young, now looks ugly and old No fun, cause now when she reaches for hugs People hold their breath, cause she smells of corrosion and death Watch the company you keep, and the crowd you bring cause they came to do drugs and you came to sing so if you're gonna be the best I'ma tell you how put your hand in the air and take the vow I know I can, I know I can. be what I wanna be, be, what I wanna be. If, I work hard at it. if I work hard at it I'll be where I wanna be Boys and girls, listen again. This is for grown looking girls who's only 10. The ones who watch videos and do what they see. As cute as can be, up in the club with fake ID. 
careful for you meet a man with HIV You can host a TV like Oprah Winfrey Whatever you decide, be careful, some men be Rapists, so act your age, don't pretend to be older than you are Give yourself time to grow, you're thinking he can give you wealth But so young boys, you can use a lot of help, you know You're thinking life's all about smoking weed and ice You don't wanna be my age and can't read and write Begging different women for a place to sleep at night Smart boys turn them in and do whatever they wish If you believe you can achieve, then say it like this I know I can, I know I can be, what I wanna be. be what I wanna be If I work hard at it, if I work hard at it I'll be where I wanna be Now, go We came to this country We were kings and queens Never porch monkeys There was empires in Africa Called Kush Timbuktu Where every race came to get books To learn from black teachers Who taught Greeks and Romans Asian Arabs And gave them gold When gold was converted to money It all changed Money then became empowerment For Europeans The Persian military invaded They heard about the gold The teachings and everything sacred Africa was almost robbed naked Slavery was money So they began making slave ships Egypt was the place that Alexander the Great went He wasn't shocked that the mountains were black faces Shot up their nose to impose what basically Still goes on today, you see If the truth is told, the youth can grow They learn to survive until they gain control Nobody says you have to be gangsters, hoes Read more, learn more, change the globe Ghetto children, do your thing Hold your head up, little man, you're a king Young princess, when you get your wedding ring Your man is sing, she's my queen I know I can be what I wanna be. If I work hard at it, I'll be where I wanna be. I know I can be what I wanna be. If I work hard at it, if I work hard at it, I'll be where I wanna be. Y'all. Save the music, y'all. Save the music, y'all. Save the music, y'all. Save the music.